Zeitgeist. Like TRR. T what? I don't know. Oh, okay. Hello, welcome to the Zeitgeist Podcast. I'm Nick back at again with the boys. There's one of the boys. And uh, I'm Greg. And uh, we got some we got some new stuff to share with you today. But uh, before we get into that, I just wanna just take a moment uh, and, and thank our sponsor. Thank our sponsor. <laughs> we don't have a sponsor. We don't have a sponsor, no. But I would thank you very much if you were our sponsor. This is if you were our sponsor, this is the place where you would go. Um, millions would hear about your services and uh, people would buy your stuff. Yeah, Squarespace. And Square, Toyota. Whoever. Toyota. I don't know. Hell yeah. <laughs> right? No, I don't know. I'm just throwing, throwing things out. No, but I did, I did want to say uh, that if you've gotten any kind of entertainment or if you've learned anything or if you've just thought about things in a new way because of listening to our podcast, Take a moment. Think about subscribing. Um, give us a rating. Give it us a rating. A lot, actually. It, it, gen- it, it makes a bigger difference than I think anything else. Even a bigger difference than subscribing. The reason I recommend subscribing is because we we tr- we try to post these on Mondays. Sometimes it doesn't end up being on a Monday. Uh, it might you know vary by a day or two. And if you're subscribed, you'll know about that. If you're not, you might be like, oh, there's no new podcast this week, and you miss one or two or ten, and you have no time to catch up. And then FOMO sets in, and you're oh, missing out on all the great FOMO. stuff we're talking about. Especially if you're if you missed episode ten, you gotta listen oh to episode ten. Boy, that was a good one. It was. I mean, it it was a. I, I still don't have words for it. But um, just take a moment, consider giving us a review. Uh, it can be an honest review. It could be a nice review. Um, we prefer the nice ones. And uh, <laughs> think about subscribing. I'm subscribed. I'll be honest. I'm subscribed to this podcast. Oh I yeah, listen, me too. I listen to this podcast every week, even though I record it. I forget what I say pretty much all the time, and so. It's, it's entertaining for me to go back and listen again. So uh, if I do it, you can do it too. And thank you, Gregory, for that lovely intro. Actually, that was, oh, you're so that was very good. Thank you. Um, so normally we like to trade off. Like Greg does one, I do one. But I had two very good ones. Uh, I Last week's was one um, that really shook Greg to his core. And this Honestly. one is going to fall into a category that just tickles both of our fancy. <laughs> um, I, it's just gonna it gets right up in there, gives us a nice little rub down. It's it's been a while since my fancy has it's been, been tickled. Um, and then if you know if these if these ones that disturb you are too much for you, don't worry. Next week I'll take over and it'll be a little more mellow. So because this one um is a big fear of mine, and it's also a very real thing that happens. So if you're aware, um, a lot of weird things go down in our national parks. Oh, uh, we're doing this. Oh yeah, we're doing this. So, All right, I'm so ready. Have you heard of missing four one one? Um, I, I, you got to refresh my memory. I think I have, but I don't even remember what I said in the last episode. So, so missing four one one is actually a, a series of books written by a man named uh, David Matthews. No, <laughs> <laughs> missing four one one. Right, uh, David Paulet Paul. Polides, Polid, Polides, Polides, David Polides. We'll so, say that. so these books don't have multiple tempo and key changes in the same book. I no. If Dave Matthews wrote it, it would. You're right. The man, Dave Matthews. What are we doing? Why are we listening to Dave Matthews? We should all be listening to Dave Matthews. <laughs> now it's time to thank our sponsor, Dave Matthews, and thank the Dave, you, Matthews Dave Matthews man. <laughs> no, I, I just, I don't know. Go ahead. So basically, he wrote the series of books called Missing Four One One, and basically, it covers all of the missing persons cases that um, the National Park Service doesn't want you to remember happening. Well, well, mm, uh, they want to pretend like this 
is not an epidemic. No, I don't. I, no, epidemic. I don't like this. I don't like this, Nick. I mean, we. I, you just you're gonna come in here and you're gonna just sit there with that smug look on your face and you're gonna tell me the National Park Service is is doing away with people like the Department of Homeland Security did away with Brittany Murphy. It's not that they're doing away with people. It's that they have no idea what the hell is going on in our national parks. And they don't want us to know what's happening. Exactly. I mean, they're a part of the government, so I 100% believe that they keep as much as they can from us. Well, here's the thing, Greg. Do you know what they don't keep? Uh, uh, the, uh, I don't know. I, I was trying to think of something clever. <laughs> records. They don't keep records. Of any missing person in the, the United States national parks... They don't keep any records of it at, at all. None? None. They don't there's no reports. There's no findings. It all goes to the police. But the National Park Service, if the police get involved, then it goes to the police, typically. Maybe as a like, missing yeah. person's cases. But right. the National Park Service itself doesn't do anything. They don't keep any record. Well, but they have like search and rescue teams and stuff, but yeah. those those teams don't record anything of what they do. It's all in their minds, Greg. It's all in the mind. Like, so this guy. Uh, David, we'll just say David. I don't can't pronounce his last name. He's been studying these cases for years. He's a cryptozoologist. He's been studying Bigfoot, and he's been trying to interview the National Park Service about these missing cases. And guess what? They won't do be interviewed. Of course not. Um, also, um, uh, they they he he was able to interview the head of the National Park Service for his documentary, which is on Amazon Prime. It's called Missing 411. I highly recommend watching it. It is so freaking interesting. He actually just released a second documentary specifically about the amount of hunters that disappear in missing mysterious ways. Really? Just specifically hunters. The oh. first documentary highlights children. Oh, specifically no. children. No, you can't be, you can't do that. I don't want to watch that. It's it's not creepy, but it is good. No, so, I just don't want to watch children being kidnapped in the national parks, man. So, oh, dude, it, okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. So I'm going to cover um, a couple stories, okay. a couple of these missing cases that are just beyond strange. Just whatever we can fit into 30 minutes, I'm good. Okay, so straight off the bat, um, the U.S. Park Service keeps no record. The U.S. Search and Rescue Team sees some weird, crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in I'll start off with the story. So in the documentary, there's this one search and rescue officer. I can't remember her name, but she's an older lady. And she said, you see a lot of weird stuff out there. Uh, she said one time this uh, little girl um, was in the woods camping with her family. And she went over a hill and dad was right behind her, went over the hill. No sign of her. There's no ravine. No, nothing. I've heard a lot of stories like this. Where she was like, missing. Time. For, she was missing for three days. Um, they were scouring everywhere. They could not find a trace of her. Um, the search and rescue officer, all of a sudden, this fog rolled in. She came walking out of the fog, not a scratch on her. And did, what's her account? Did she like know what happened or? She had no, she had no idea. And she like said. As far as she knew, she just walked over the hill and turned around? Yep. She had no idea what happened to her. And if you ask, and she's still alive. This happened back in like the 80s. Um, she said, if you ask her about it, she refuses to talk about it. And that's what's interesting. And what gives this a little more credibility is that there are lots of stories of that kind of thing happening just throughout history. And I'm not saying that they're all true, but, but I'm saying there's a lot of them. That's all I'm saying. Like where, like there was one, like a farmer went out into the field and this was like, this was like 1908, like 
early, like we were pretty agrarian at the time. This is before the Industrial Revolution and everything. Um, I think my timeline's right, but it was a long time ago, early 1900s. He goes out to the field, goes over the fence, and he vanishes. His wife, like he's like, it's like he goes and it's like he falls into the uh, the field of wheat and is just like never sees him again. The wife goes looking for him. They send people out. Nobody can find him. Twelve years later, he comes back over the fence, and his wife has has remarried, right? Because she couldn't just support a family without a husband for twelve years. He had no idea what happened. He was like, "What? What? I was gone for like two seconds." She's like, "No, you were gone for twelve years." That's one story, and there's lots of stories like that. So, I'm not saying they're true, but I'm saying there's lots. But of But the them. thing is, like, a lot of these these kids are like, it's not that they come back; it's that their their remains are found in like the most bizarre <sighs> ways. That's what I don't like. Like, like they find bits and pieces, like their teeth or their clothes. Like, Mm-mm. there's some where like their clothes, like there's like a little boy who was disappeared like his dad turned around for one second and then three years later they find his clothes folded on a rock no in the area where they were camping like that's it's scary no i don't like that i don't like that at all let's let's move past that one so the thing is the national park service this guy the head of the national park service as of 2018 uh the guy doing the interview asked is there a list of these missing persons and they said no and they said would it you, so you don't have a list of like these people who have gone missing. They said if you were to get a list together, it would cost $2 million to get this list together because there's just that many names. So I'm not condoning this, but if you were to murder someone, a national park would make a lot of sense. Yeah, it would because it's freaking scary. But actually, this is a fun fact just because I, I did read something about this. There is a team that's part of the National Park Service that is essentially their FBI where they go and like they have detectives, so to speak, they do crime scene investigation. They try to find out what happened, but there's only four of them for 86 national parks. Yeah. There are four people that would look into this for, I think it's 86. It's 80 something national parks, including the territories. So that goes to spit. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that, you know, they're not going to catch most everything. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, the amount of space you have to cover, like, I get skeptical in some of these stories because like they're like, Oh, you searched everywhere. I'm like, I, you got to admit these spaces, the, the, it's not that like they can't find them. I can admit like these, these kids that go missing and even adults that go missing whenever they disappear suddenly, you never know like what they could fall into like a hole that's so small. You don't know, like mm-hmm. you can't see it by unless you fall in it. Like there's a lot of means and like a lot of animal attacks I think are unlikely. It's just so weird. The quickness and yeah. how they just vanish. Like they just go over a ridge and you're five seconds behind them and they're just gone. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. That's, that's what freaks me out. It's just, so I'm going to talk about a couple stories. So one is going to be, um, uh, from the documentary. I highly, highly suggest you watch it. There's, I can't remember his name. I tried to find his name. It's a side story. Um, that so the main documentary revolves around this kid named uh dior this happened in 2015 oh that's Um, recent so this family went camping and it was um the dad and the mom and the grandpa and the grandpa brought a friend so this family is i'm not trying to be mean but they're a little more of like a hick ish is i don't know if that's a mean word but they're more like southern-esque 
It's a it's a rural family. It's a rural family, but yeah. they live up north near the mountains. But it was summertime, so they were camping. Which, sorry, just where in the country was this? I th- I'm just curious. I think Is it like an Appalachian family. I think so. Hang on, I, I've got I've got it pulled up here. Rocky Mountain National Park. Oh, so okay. So like Utah, Colorado. Yes. One of those. So okay. uh, his name was Dior. He was two. Uh, and they were all camping in like a very open area campgrounds. Like very, there wasn't, there, there wasn't a lot of people at the campground. There was no one else at the campground at this time, but it wasn't like in the dense woods. It was in an open field by a creek next to the road or next to the dirt road that leads to the campsite. There was a, a, a picnic table, a, a fire pit. Like it was very much an open concept campsite. And so this little kid, um, the family went to go fishing at the creek, which is right behind this tree line, but it's not 20 feet walking distance from the campsite. Mm-hmm. So the little kid is following the family to go fishing, but he changes his mind halfway through starts to walk back to grandpa who's sitting by the fire pit area and, and he's grandpa's like, dead no grandpa oh. is a, a bit of a bitch oh <laughs> he sucks um, grandpa you suck he's a terrible dude i don't like him he gives i don't he gave know, me a weird vibe i've never seen this this documentary i've never met this guy but you sir if you're listening to this podcast you suck so it is assumed that the grandpa and his friend did something to the kid oh okay then yeah i i back that statement it's a rumor they can't prove anything but so the little kid uh he's like oh i don't want to go to the creek so he turns around and starts walking back to grandpa and so about half an hour goes by or an hour and the family is like hey where's little dior and the grandpa goes oh he was just playing by that tree and they go oh well he's not there and they still haven't found him really Mm-hmm. And they search for days and days and days and they and so and so when they were on the dock and so they couldn't find him. But what got fishy about this story is that the grandpa was very weird and they already kind of had a broken relationship. It wasn't very strong with the mom and dad. It was they kind of wanted to go on this camping trip to kind of build the bond with the grandson. So they weren't very close to the grandpa. Well, a lot of good that did. So, of course, they blamed him at first. And so the first few weeks, like, they were on every news station, like, and they had so many people helping them. But after about a week, they hired a private investigator. And then eventually they wanted no media coverage. They wanted no outside help. They didn't want the private investigator. They didn't want anything. They didn't want nobody to even talk about it. So it sounds like they found out that the grandpa did it and they were like, oh, so well, now a we lot know. of people were accusing them of murdering their son for like oh, publicity. Mm. So like so that's why they didn't want any of the attention. But the private investigator is like, well, even negative attention is still going to have people talking about your son and closer to finding him. Like even if people are calling you murderers and terrible people, just ignore it. But they just gave up and stopped caring about it so people were like Hmm. they did it the grandpa did it but they still never found the son so that's just one case that's very like i don't know but man you know i like to think that little dior was was out there and as he was walking he he came across a little bluebird and he followed the bluebird bluebird took him to a little oasis a little spring and he gets there and there's a beaver and the beaver's like hello i'm mr beaver and he's like hi i'm dior and mr beaver's like you know you're you're a 
you look like a, a friendly young guy. He's like, yeah, I am. He's like, how about you come with me? Just join the woodland creatures and live happily ever after. And he says, great. And now he sings songs every day and is and rides on deer and moose and life is good for Dior. And all was well in Narnia. And all is well in Narnia. Exactly. For Narnia. Oh, that's right. Was, his name was Mr. How clever was C.S. Lewis to name the beaver and his wife, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. So creative. So clever. See, I actually have huge respect for C.S. Lewis, but come on, man. Come on. <laughs> that's like, you can't like, that's just like every single animal that you like. Aslan is just like, oh, that's Mr. Lion. Like, no, come that on. It was Liam Neeson, man. It was Liam freaking Neeson. Okay, we got a lot to cover. Sorry, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. But I just, I just want to add some levity to this because that's super depressing, and I wasn't planning to be part of a true crime podcast. But if that's where this goes, I'm on board. I already bought my ticket, and I can't return it. So let's keep this train rolling. So there's another. So there was a side story in the documentary. I tried to find the guy's name, but he's still alive. He was found. So this happened in the 50s. I don't. I think it was in a national park somewhere in the Appalachians. Um, but they lived on a farm that was right outside the national park uh, uh, area. Mm-hmm. So uh, this it was they lived in a farm and the it was three brothers and he was two at the time. Um, they were all playing uh, out inside the barn and the mom was like, hey, come inside for dinner. So two of the brothers came out the front. One little brother went out the back of the barn and... They never found him that day. Um, oh, okay. But they have found him since. Yes, he is alive and he was... Thank the Lord. He's lived a long, happy life. Good. And he was um, he was interviewed in the, uh, in the documentary. He okay. actually gives his account. So, uh, so, it's so crazy because whenever he was found, he was found two days later... 50, not 50, sorry, 15 miles away up a mountain in the snow. And he had, he was found under a pile of snow with no, without his, his clothes were folded right next to him. He was naked and alive. So this kid was buried alive, but naked in the snow on a mountain 15 miles away. It had snowed that night, so it covered him up. But he was found and his clothes and he even shows the clothes. The clothes were no had no dirt, nothing on him. So he kept these clothes all these years for this interview. He's like, someday. Well, the mom, his mom kept them. And okay. she was like, I don't want to forget this. And so. Um, Wait a minute. This is a this is a Bigfoot story, isn't it? No, it's not. They don't know what happened. And he's he mm. accounted it and he doesn't remember what happened because he was two. So he barely. Oh, he was two years old. He's two years old. So well, well the thing is, like, let me just say, I've known two-year-olds to strip down butt naked if they feel like it. But can, fifteen miles you, is a long way to walk yes. for a two-year-old. And so a a survivalist expert walked the path to get to where he was. So basically, he walked like a kind of even if he walked a straight path or took any, there was no trails where he ended up. They said he walked fifteen miles. This kid, this guy. I, at least I really hope it was fifteen miles. I might be over exaggerating. But it was a long distance. It was more than a couple miles. But the survivalist expert said, I'm trained to be out here, and this is even challenging for me to get to where this kid was found. He mm. said, given that the terrain might be have been different 20 or like 50 years ago, but even so, it's the, the rock formations aren't going to change that much over this amount of time. So this 
is a lot for this kid to have traveled in a day. Like it mm. took him a very long time to get to where that kid was. And it was, it's just, and his clothes were found completely spick and span. Okay. So here's what I think happened. Here's my theory again on the fly, just kind of rolling with it. Adding some levity to here. This kid, this little two year old, he walks out. He's like, it's a nice night. I want to feel the breeze on my skin. You know, he takes off his clothes and he throws them willy nilly. Now Bigfoot's over here on the tree, taking a leak. This kid, Bigfoot's over there, you know, doing his thing. And this kid's briefs hit him in the face. He's like, ah, what's that? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, this kid's naked. Man, you shouldn't be out here naked like that. Here, let me take you home, right? Get you warmed up. Let me take these clothes. I'll wash them for you in my Bigfoot washing machine. Bigfoot washing yeah. machine. And then he takes them up there. Available at Home Depot. Exactly. He takes them up there, gives them some soup, you know, whatever. Washes his clothes, folds Bigfoot them for him. And he puts them outside and he's like, all right, go find your way home. Your clothes are clean. They're right next to you. And the kid's like, I'm just going to take a nap. And Bigfoot's like, whatever, suit yourself. I'm going to go take a dump. Stupid kid. Bigfoot's, Bigfoot's go to the bathroom a lot. Okay. It's just, it's a fact. He was taking a leak. He had to take a dump too. You know, you can pee without pooping. You can't poop without peeing. Nobody can explain that. We're going to do an episode on that later. <laughs> and, uh, and Bigfoot, Bigfoot moves on, you know, and the kid's there and he's just taking a nap and then it snows and he's like, oh no, I don't know where I am. And then they find him happily ever after. The end. The end. I'd like to think that too. Yeah. I, that's, I don't think that's true, but what if, what if? Because the, because the thing is, like this, this isn't a creepy pasta. These are real. Oh no, yeah, stories. this like really happened to this guy. So yes, and all of these are real accounts from people that are interviewed in this in this documentary, and you can read in this guy's book. So I'm going to read one more story about this guy named Steve, and this is a weird one. So as if the others weren't okay, this one's the weird one. This guy bet you're glad you stayed on for this long because now we're getting to the weird one. Oh, but they even get weirder than this, man. Oh, I bet. Ooh. So this guy's name is Stephen Kubaki. So in the case of Stephen Kubaki, who went missing for 15 months, woke up in a field wearing different clothes. Ooh. Hmm. I don't don't like that. Yeah. You know, I don't like that. Okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. I'm adjusting. It's a little noisy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Ooh. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm ready. So, so okay, he woke up in a field 15 months later wearing different clothes, and he has no recollection of what happened? Um, I don't know. I haven't read the story yet. Okay. Oh, good. So this is, this is live, everybody. This is live. I've live read this, I've read that, and that caught me. So in February of 1978, Stephen, a student at the time, learning German, went missing in the Michigan area, USA, an area known as the Great Lakes Triangle, which is written about in the book, in a book by Jay Gorley that talks about the disappearances of hundreds of ships, boats, and aircrafts um, that Dave, uh, David also wrote in his book as well. Stephen was going skiing at the time, so it was winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found his skis and his poles on the beach of Lake Michigan and footprints on the ice leading up to the lake. They flew over it, and the footprints appeared to stop right at the edge of the lake. So so it's implied that he like got into the lake. Um, or the lake was frozen, and he walked across the lake. But then they would have found footprints probably on the lake then. Well, no, because if, if it was ice and it froze over again. And true. I don't know. Hmm. Um, uh, they they found his backpack in the same general area as where his footprints and ski poles and all that stuff was found. Um, on May 5th, 1979, 15 months later, Stephen walked up to his father's door and said he didn't remember much. He woke up in Pittsfield, 40 miles from where his father's house was, 
lying in a meadow wearing clothes that weren't his. He had a small satchel beside him with maps that weren't his. He woke up where he woke up was 700 miles away from Lake Michigan. Dude. <laughs> laugh too hard geez yeah i know take it easy but but dude uh reporters asked him if he would talk to someone he said he didn't need to because he didn't have any psychological problems from the incident because he didn't remember anything after 1983 steven got a master's in linguistics and a phd in clinical psychology uh uh, David uh, from the book got in touch with him, but Steve did not want to appear, did not respond to his calls or emails to appear in his book. So it's a real disassociation is a real thing that happens to people where they will, their minds will be separate from whatever is happening around them. Right. So a lot of trauma victims will disassociate during said trauma uh, so that it's their mind's way of protecting themselves. So what may have happened is he may have been kidnapped in, in some way. And his mind didn't allow him to retain these memories. And kind of he just like went into into his own mind. And everything that happened happened with like basically on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Which does happen to people. It, like the first thing that I think of is is like a if he if he had went into a dissociative state or if he had um multiple personality disorder yeah or something where like you know he wouldn't remember any of it but some in some form or fashion he was like hitchhiking around the country yeah he could have you know like, without him knowing because or he could have done something and he's regretful of what he did or and then doesn't just doesn't want to tell what, anybody what year did you say it was uh ni- the late 1970s bro it's so obvious he went on one he heck found, of an acid trip he found himself no no it was an acid trip that took it. So basically, he was on Lake Michigan. A couple hippies walk up. They're like, bro, take it easy, bro. I don't know how hippies talk. If I say that, I'll, I'll imagine say, bro. Hey, bro, just bro, chill. Just chill, man. Just it's take groovy. it easy. Here, try this. Give him some LSD. Kept him on LSD for 15 months. Traveled all around. Put him in new hippie clothes. Gave him maps and uh, dropped him off in a what meadow. Is, and, he, is, and he came down from his high and he's like, what? What is LSD? Like, sup, dude. Like, what? <laughs> like, sup, dude. Like, sup, dude. that's that's my best guess early 70s could have happened all right well i mean i could go on and i'm gonna tell a couple more quick accounts that okay these aren't missing cases but they are weird weird happenings that are accounted for in our national parks this is not a creepypasta these are real stories are in the book uh they are i don't think all of them are in the book but they are quotes from people that um, went that reported strange happenings in the parks. Interesting. So, and these are just like small tidbits. An Iraq war veteran, which you don't know what they're going through mentally. Right. Uh, he wrote about how he was almost snatched up from a park once. So that's. Well, I, I do. Uh, I do believe that people get kidnapped from national parks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because of the lack of accountability. Um, this one, a woman and her son who, have three hours of missing time unaccounted for while on a trail. Another woman accounted finding herself in a different location than where she was while hiking about three fourths of a mile on the hike on a well-marked trail. I walked maybe about five feet off the trail 
to have a look at a brightly colored sign attached to a tree which gave the name of the national forest I was in. I read the sign, turned around to go back on the trail, and literally the trail was gone. I was in a different place. Whoa. Another veteran who recounts a bizarre experience hiking in the park with his son. As I looked back, I noticed that the trail I was I was walking on and I lost all sense of familiarity. There were trees I didn't see, certain plants that I knew for sure weren't there before, etc. But regardless, I kept my composure and I stared deeply into the woods to see what made a, uh, a snapping sound. I scanned the area and I didn't see any life forms, but for some reason... Uh, my eyes started to fixate on a particularly unnerving dark section of the forest. For whatever reason, my entire body started locking up and every single alarm bell in my hand was pinging. No matter how hard I tried to focus on the dark patch, I couldn't see shit. I had the weirdest sensation about being able to see each individual branch and plant in high detail, but I couldn't focus on the over the scene overall. It was super blurry. I also felt my internal fight or flight mechanism flipping between the two decisions faster than a coin could be tossed. So I, I camp a lot, which is part of why I really didn't want to do this. But here we are. Oh, I, I'm I, so I can't, sorry. No, it's fine. I, I'm still going to keep camping. I love camping. I camp a lot. I spend a lot of time on trails, long trails, um, and it it does happen sometimes. Where if you've been hiking for an extended amount of time, you're your brain, you can kind of just forget where you're like, here, here's an example. When you uh, drive to and from work, you, you, just you ever just lose, autopilot, just lose right? time and you're just like, oh, I'm home. Like, how did I get here? Exactly. So if you hike a trail for like a whole day or several hours, sometimes you can do that. And so you get to a point where you're just like, you'll walk, you'll walk, you'll walk. And then you stop for a second because you notice something. And then you take stock of where you are and you realize, wait a minute, I don't remember coming to this place. Right. And then you start to panic because you feel like you're lost. And if you can't regain your composure, everything that guy described will go off. You'll have these alarm bells in your head. You'll be like, won't be able to focus on, on anything clearly. You'll just see like little things. Um, and you're, you're going to be fight or flight. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I need to be wary of something around here because you'll feel like you're lost in the woods. So that, that does happen. You need to, you need to hike with a partner. That's just basic safety, woods, wood safety. Go with a partner and go with everything you need to potentially spend the night there if you end up getting lost because it's easy to get lost in the woods. Everything starts to look the same after a while. That is unnerving. I will say I got some chills, chills so, in my spine. Like if you're not familiar, like if the trail you're on kind of doesn't vary enough to where it kind of all blurs together, like yeah. autopilot yeah. Sense or kind even, of kicks in. Even if it's like varied enough, like at a certain point when you're hiking, you reach a point where you're not really looking in at the scenery. You're just looking at your next steps and uh, you know, that's how you get through like if you're if you've been hiking for like an hour or two hours, like you just keep on going one foot in front of the other. And if you're not hiking up to like if you're not hiking to a summit, right, and you're just hiking on flat ground, um, it's very easy to feel like I don't know where I am anymore. You know, so you gotta you gotta take stock more often. If you don't if you just like take a look around at the beginning of the trail and you take a look around three hours later, you might not remember everything you passed and you might think like I don't know how I got here. It does happen. Um, you know, there's some tricks you can use to help you navigate if you get lost, but that's that's more survival training. I will say, as far as like seeing strange things in in heavily wooded areas, this is this isn't nearly as spooky. But when I was I, I saw something in the Amazon that I can't find any confirmation that it exists, but I definitely am pretty sure I saw it. 
so when I was I was in the Amazon rainforest um, several years ago, and um, we were at a camp, and uh, we you know we had like a hammock camp. We were setting up and like we we're making food and stuff. I had to go to the bathroom, you know, like a big foot that I am. I <laughs> go to the bathroom a lot, so yeah, I walk you poop a lot. I poop a lot. No, I, I had to pee, but still, I walk off away from the camp, find a suitable place. Um, there were women in our party, you know, didn't want to be disrespectful and just do it right there. Absolutely so Absolutely disgusting. Right. So I walk off, find some big trees and bushes or whatever, and I get there, and on this bush in front of me, again, it's not really spooky, but on this bush in front of me, there's this, like, it It, it first catches my eye because it's just, like, this shimmering white. And it's, like, I don't see a real shape to it at first, but I just see this shimmering line just, like, on this, on this like, big palm branch or whatever it is. I don't, I don't, I guess it was a fern. I don't know. Basically, when you're in a rainforest, it's just like a regular forest, but all the plants are way, way, way bigger. And so, like, it was just like this big leaf. And I like walk up to it, and I'm like, "What? What is this?" And then it takes flight, and I see it. I see it fly, and it looks like for a second, it looks like a butterfly that's completely clear, except for a white outline just around the wings. And it flutters, and it flaps, and flaps, and flies away. And I never saw it again. And I looked up everywhere, like for a clear white butterfly. I, I find nothing in the Amazon, so I might have discovered a new species that day. I don't know. That's cool. Or it was saw, it was pretty neat. Or you saw an omen, and somebody died. What? Why? Why do you gotta do this to me? Because I'm the one that brings you down. I know, man. No, no, you're bringing me. You're bringing me all over the place. <laughs> I, I think I think it's a new species of butterfly. You're telling me no, somebody died. And you know what? I bet somebody died that I knew that year. People died that I know pretty much every year. Um, that's sad I, I, you know not that i know well all the time <laughs> but, you know I mean, it's, this is life. not always that i know well but like usually someone at some point um but yeah so so that's what i saw in the in the woods that i cannot explain and i still can't explain so if any of you have any information as to a clear white shimmering butterfly or moth uh deep in the amazon rainforest Please send it to me. I, I want to know that yeah, I'm not I crazy. Yeah, I want to know what that is. That sounds cool. Yeah, I've, I've found like clear winged butterflies that like like it does have like totally clear as glass wings, but the butterflies, like the outline is black and the body is black. Maybe it's like an albino version of that. It's possible. I don't know. I don't know. But it was like I, I almost didn't see anything at all until it flapped. And when it flapped, its wings were, it was, it was sizable for a butterfly. It was like a small bird. Maybe it was a bird. No, because there was no, like, body, really. It was just, like, thin, white streak. I don't know. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Zeitgeist podcast. Um, that episode was kind of a downer. That was a downer. There's, um, if you want to know more, just look up Missing 411. There's so many stories, so much information. That was just a couple ones that kind of caught my attention and a couple little, like, tidbit stories of just things people have seen. Just go watch the document. I I haven't seen the new documentary about the hunters. Apparently, that's a big thing where yeah, hunters disappear unknowingly and like their body parts are found in weird ways. It's so odd. Mm. So I've go watch them. They're worth your time if you're into that kind of stuff. It makes me terrified to go into the national parks. Yeah, I'm um, still gonna go, but I'm gonna be cautious when I go. Be 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 wary, and if you start to freak out, just don't yeah just just stop if you're having a panic attack just cut it out just you're not if, helping anyone if you find bigfoot tell him i said hey yeah and hey. if you see mr and mrs beaver give him a name because theirs are stupid i know that's dumb 
Give and them like Mr. Mrs. Tumness. It's important if you do see Bigfoot, you got to learn their secret handshake. Because that's how they know that you're cool. Fist so. bump, double bird, behind the back, through the pit, under the pit. Yep. Tickle the balls. <laughs> and backflip. Only you backflip. He can't backflip. Yeah. Don't yeah. you dare ask him to backflip. Don't you dare. He he's, will he's, kill you. He's very embarrassed about it. He's He's heavy. All right, we're, we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> okay. We will see you guys in the next episode. For thank a, you for listening. Yes, thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>